Welcome to episode two of Time Stop. I'm your host, Liam Niemeyer. In this series of episodes, we explore two stories surrounding dates in history. Dates in history that changed an individual, impacted a community, and transformed the worlds of many. This episode continues the major league journey of Dick Bates, the fireball pitcher hailing from the small southeastern Ohio town of MacArthur. The event is a April 27, 1969 sporting event. For the first part of this story, listen to the first episode of Time Stop. This chapter examines the events that followed that sunny April day. It illustrates how an individual's legacy can influence those directly and indirectly connected to them, regardless of its imperfections. Dick Bates grew up in MacArthur in the 1950s and 60s, and with the help of his dad, Austin, learned how to pitch a mean fastball and slider. The young Bates dominated high school baseball, striking out at least 10 batters each game. He then advanced through the minor leagues, breaking records and grabbing the attention of Hall of Fame manager Sparky Anderson. Bates got his chance at the major leagues in 1969, when he was drafted by the new MLB expansion team, the Seattle Pilots. During spring training that year, he told the Phoenix, Arizona Republic newspaper, quote, Getting picked up by Seattle made me the happiest guy in the world. This is my chance. You've got more of an opportunity with an expansion ball club like this. They give you a longer look, a good look, end quote. That opportunity came calling while Bates was in Hawaii, and despite being jet-lagged and sleep-deprived, he pitched the next day's game in Seattle. It was April 27, 1969. Bates gave up five runs. He blew it. He wanted another shot. But the pilots wouldn't be giving him a longer look, a good look, after all. That's right. well, then the next day we went on the road and went to uh, Minnesota. I was there for about a week and a half with them and stuff, but they never did give me another chance to pitch and stuff. So they sent me back down to Vancouver, AAA ball. The Seattle Pilots in their first year were run by general manager Marvin Milks, who had served as GM for multiple minor league teams before. Although it's hard to say exactly why Bates was sent back down, Milks' intense win-first mindset certainly offers insight. He wanted to win badly, which is not a good um, trait for a general manager of an expansion team. And so he was always looking for the combination of players um, that would make it possible to win. And he was pretty critical of the players he thought weren't trying very hard. Bill Mullins wrote the book, Becoming Big League, about the Pilots. The Pilots set a then-record for having the most players go through a 25-man roster with 53 players. And what I, I noticed is that I had the... Um, a quotation from some of the, the snarkier players saying, well, you know, it seems like the bus from Vancouver uh, drives in every night to take some of us back, uh, back to Vancouver because the turnover was just really terrific. Bates was another gear in that turnover in which he had no say in. But the fact he didn't get another shot wouldn't matter soon enough. In Vancouver, his luck turned south. When they sent me back down to Vancouver, I'd pitched up in Vancouver and I was pitching and I, I, I heard it pop, I mean, and stuff in my arm when I threw it, and that's, they gave me quarter zone shots in it and all kind of stuff, but it never did, it never did come back, right? You know, every time I'd, I'd throw hard, I mean, try to throw hard, it, it was like a, somebody taking a, a hot iron going down my arm. So it was, that, it was that deltoid muscle and it runs down your arm and stuff. So. 
Dick told his dad shortly after it happened. He he took it pretty hard, but, you know, I mean, he understands injuries. I mean, it happens I mean, with that stuff. And uh, it, uh, it ha- you know, I went spring training and it, I just couldn't throw right. And that's that's when I, I got out of baseball. And I had, you know, a couple of giants and stuff like that tried to uh, get me to come back and play. But I, I, I was... I couldn't throw like I was. I wasn't going to go back and, and throw, you know, knuckleballs and stuff like that. So, Dick bowed out in baseball in 1970, and coincidentally, so did the Seattle Pilots. That's William Trockaway from KOL in Seattle. It's uh, eight and a half minutes past uh, eight o'clock. And say tonight's the night for the 1969 baseball season ending for the Seattle Pilots. Uh, by the way, the players and management of the Pilots wish to thank all the fans of the Northwest who have supported the team during the season, hoping, too, that you'll be back in 1970 to watch the Pilots in their second American League campaign. 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 The Pilots were in dire financial footing by the end of the 1969 season, with a deal being struck with Milwaukee businessman Bud Selig during the first game of the World Series to buy the Seattle Pilots. Local efforts to keep the team in Seattle failed, and during the spring of 1970, trucks with the team's equipment were heading up to Milwaukee to eventually become the Milwaukee Brewers. It was the end of the road for Seattle's one-year-old MLB team, but Bates' journey was just beginning. He had a powerful friend in the resort business out in Phoenix. J.W. Marriott. Uh, which I'd met when I was in, in Washington with the Senators. Uh, pretty much he's the one that got me started uh, into uh, the resort business and, and golf. I went, uh, I went to work out at the Camelback Inn uh, golf course uh, then and pretty much went through a, the management program with them. And, uh, you know, and I still thank, you know, I still thank him. He's not around anymore, but I still thank him for giving me the shot at that. When you ask Dick whether he wishes he would have stayed in the majors, he actually says no. I sat back and think of it. Everything's meant for, for a reason. And the reason, I mean, I probably, if I would have stayed in baseball uh, and, and pitched more, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at now. If I, had, if I hadn't uh, come here and when I did, and what, what would I be doing now? Would I be doing the same thing? You know, who knows? I mean... Everything falls into order as you go along. I mean, uh, you know, by me working for Marriott and meeting the right person, and that's that's what life's about is, is meeting people. And uh, it's my old saying is it's not it's not it's not what you know, it's who you know. A lot of it is. I changed is if I changed everything I've done. I mean, you know, meeting my wife and we've you know we've been married for forty five years and. Everything I got right now is, 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 I'm happy. Austin Bates passed away in 1984, Zella in 1991. Dick's brother, Daniel, passed away two years ago. They're all buried in Elk Cemetery on the north side of MacArthur. Whenever Dick reminisces about baseball, Austin comes to mind. I think about him all the time, still. You know, with it, with it, uh, I think about him a lot, my dad, so... Yeah, he he was he was from the little league all the way up to even well even through uh, some of the pro ball and stuff like that. He was always there for me and stuff. So, and like I said, he used to catch me all the way through high school. 
and he he's the one as you get older like in a senior and stuff like that you kind of want to do other stuff but he kept me uh he kept me in line and we would would throw about every day Dick still gets assorted envelopes and packages of fan mail each month from people across the country, especially Seattle, who remember him. They keep sending stuff. And, you know, I sign everything they send me. Because uh, my, uh, my wife's mother, she was a great baseball fan. And she, uh, I used to get slacked on signing the things and sending them back. And she used to jump on me. It's baseball cards, baseballs. I got some the other day that had the team picture on it. Uh, had the picture of the stadium on it, and uh, I get all kinds of different stuff. But he never got anything from MacArthur until one day. I'd got a letter, uh, it was probably maybe three, four years ago from this guy in MacArthur. His name was Rob Timms, T-I-M-M-S. And he, after I'd left there and played ball, he had started playing ball, and our house was right by the park there and my dad started going over and watching them practice and stuff and then he started working with this kid so he wrote me a letter yeah wrote me a letter about it and stuff so how, how, long, <clears throat> about ago, my, how long ago was that uh he, he grad he played at uh he he said he played high school i got the letter here he played high school ball uh in Denton County uh, in the 80s and played from the high school team, he said, and played on the American Legion team and stuff. Yeah, and that, you know, I didn't know he did that after he did. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, is this room to use? Yeah, it's fine. Thank you. <laughs> 56-year-old Rob Timms still lives in MacArthur. A Pittsburgh Pirates ball cap covers his gray and balding head, putting a shadow over his friendly face. And he's one of the few MacArthur natives that still remembers the story of Dick Bates. Like Dick said, he played baseball for Vinton County High School in the 1980s, but the team was nowhere as good as they were during Bates' time. Most seasons, they would only win one game. A lot, a lot of the, the baseball coaches at that time were basketball. I, mean, I told you how big basketball was here. Well, uh, they were basketball coaches who coached baseball in the summer to make sure their basketball players had something to do in the summer to keep them busy and uh, that that might not be popular if people would hear me say that but I'm, I'm sorry it's the truth. Tim's father worked with Austin at the local powder plant so Tim's knew about how Austin coached Dick to baseball fame. After one practice Austin walked up to Tim's and asked if he could help Tim's out. And I would always hang out afterwards with him and he would help me on my swing and I you know I spent a lot of time with him. I'd he would, you know, he'd take me over to his house and show me the little shrine he had for Dick in his basement. But, but no, not a lot of people knew who he was. Or So for an hour after every practice in the waning sunlight, Austin would coach Tim's just like he did with Dick. By Tim's senior year, Tim's was hitting well over 300 batting average at the plate. If you ever wanted to make him mad, bring up the passage in ball four. He would get livid over that. He was so mad over what Jim Bouton had wrote about him because... You know, you, you said you read the passage and, and said, ouch, when you read it. And it was kind of that, you know, Jim Bouton was was happy that, that he didn't perform well that inning. And, boy, he would get so mad about that. He, he'd say, if, I could, if I'd see that guy, I'd wring his neck. I mean, he hated Jim Bouton that bad. Jim Boyden was the Seattle Pilots knuckleball pitcher who wrote the famous tell-all memoir, Ball Four, 
On page 47, Boyden writes, quote, Dick Bates was sent back down for Daryl Brandon. I'm not sure of what they think they're doing, but at a guess, front offices are more interested in players who are far than those who are near. They were more interested in Bates than Brandon and Bowden, but only until they saw Bates up close. And Tim's appreciation for Dick's story went beyond high school. He even had custom baseball cards made of Dick for 1969 because companies like Topps never made one. And when he sent his letter and never heard a response, he put it to the back of his mind. Usually when people write to baseball players, they're writing to request this or that or get a signature or whatever. And I, I don't think I did that in a letter. I think I just, you know, just wanted to make contact and wasn't really asking for anything. So, you know, it was just a sincere letter. Hey, Dick, it's uh, Liam. Uh, you're, you're free right now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I just wanted to introduce you to um, Rob Timms here. He's uh, sitting at the table with me. He's the guy who uh, wrote you the letter, so. Yeah, yeah. How you doing, Rob? Uh, good, Mr. Bates. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good out here. I imagine... I'm out back in MacArthur. How's everything in MacArthur? Nothing ever changes to MacArthur. It's the same old place. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, it's a good place to be, so. Yeah, yeah, because it's a good town. Yeah, well, I was really amazed to, to find out that you had kept that letter. It, it really surprised me when, when Liam told me that. Yeah, I was going to call you. You didn't put a phone number. I was going to call you when I got the letter, and then I got busy and stuff. So, but, yeah, I've got it here on my desk at work. Uh, huh? I, you know, I really appreciate it. I, I get a lot of uh, letters with autographs and stuff. That's, usually I don't keep them, but I kept that one, so. Well, that, that's appreciated. I, I thought a lot of your dad. You know, he, he spent a lot of time helping me when I played baseball after practice and, you know, told me stories, and you know, I, I really appreciated him. Yeah, he was a good man, my dad was. I'm sitting here in the local library in downtown MacArthur with Tim's, who's talking with Dick for the first time. You can tell they both grew up in MacArthur. I actually, when I was, I don't know if there was, if Reedy's Market was here when you were younger going out 50 out of town but I there's a little street yeah, there Reedy's? uh-huh yeah well I grew yeah. up I grew up on the little Thompson edition street right beside Reedy's oh did you really uh-huh yeah yep wow. a, a matter of fact my sister-in-law lives in your old house right now you're kidding me no no <laughs> wow no she that's, bought, that's amazing she bought it a few the letter was a reminder for Dick that someone remembered him someone remembered his father Someone remembered he made it to the majors, April 27th, 1969. I probably will. You know, if I do, I'll look you up. I'll give you, I'll give you a yell. That'd be great. Come back. I'll probably try to get back maybe in the summertime here coming up because my brother passed away and Donna's uh, still back here. His wife, she, she comes out here about every winter right after, right after Christmas. Well, I sure appreciate that, and I sure have enjoyed talking to you. And you know, I thought a lot of your dad. I always wanted you to know that. And, uh, 
Yeah, I think about him a lot sometimes. I'm sure you do. I, uh, sure. I appreciate I appreciate you your interest in me, Bob. Oh, I. You're my dad. Well, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate your dad, and I, I'm thrilled to talk to you, and uh, maybe this summer we can get together. Sounds good. Okay. So, okay. See you, Dick. Okay, take care, guys. Okay, yeah. you too, thanks. See you. Uh, okay, Time Stop is reported, produced, and hosted by myself, Liam Niemeyer, advising from Dr. Elizabeth Hendrickson. If you liked this episode and the rest of the series, give us a rating on the Apple Podcast app and wherever you get your podcast. It helps other people like yourself find the show. For exclusive pictures of Dick Bates' career and more extra content, go to timestoppod.com. And thanks for listening.